Move Forward Radio is brought to you by ChoosePT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at ChoosePT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Eric Reese. Anyone who's ever experienced back pain knows how deeply it can upset the rhythm and quality of everyday life. When it radiates to the leg, which is called sciatica, the misery is compounded. Almost a third of people with back pain experience sciatica, which can resolve on its own before too long, but not always. That's where a trip to the doctor typically comes in, with discussions of relief options that in severe cases can even involve surgery. Julie Fritz, a physical therapist and researcher, set out to determine if doctors' typical advice for people with back pain to remain active and give their symptoms time to subside before considering treatment like physical therapy was needlessly prolonging their pain. To find out, she and her research colleagues studied whether a group of people with sciatica who received four weeks of physical therapy early on would experience less pain and disability than would those who followed the usual wait and see approach. The results were significant. Demonstrating that physical therapy can and should be offered to patients with sciatica to help them regain their activity and recover more quickly. The findings recently were spotlighted in the prestigious journal Annals of Internal Medicine. In this episode of Move Forward Radio, Julie shares the study's details, discusses its implications, and emphasizes the importance of people with sciatica being strong advocates for themselves until these findings gradually make their way into standard patient care. Here's our conversation with Julie. So Julie, uh, thanks so much for joining us on Move Forward Radio to share your latest research findings with us. Let me start by introducing you to our audience. You're the Associate Dean of Research of the Department of Physical Therapy at the University of Utah, and your research has been published uh, more than 150 times in peer-reviewed journals. Uh, We're we're very glad to have you here to to share your expertise. Now, uh, most people experience back pain at some point in their lives. Uh, About 30% of these episodes involve sciatica, which is pain affecting the back, hip, and outer side of the leg that's caused by compression of a spinal nerve root in the lower back. For many people, back pain resolves on its own, but for others, uh, pain can continue for months or or even years. Doctors often advise people with back pain to try to remain physically active and give their symptoms time to subside before seeking treatment such as physical therapy. Now, as I understand it though, you and your colleagues at the University of Utah Health and at Intermountain Healthcare wondered whether physical therapy might offer patients an opportunity to curb their symptoms early uh, and avoid a prolonged uh, episode of pain. So before we get into specifics of the study and its findings, I'd like to ask first, um, what had suggested to you that people might be suffering needlessly from prolonged back pain and that physical therapy likely could help in at least some cases? Or or put it another way, what prompted this new research, which was published in the journal uh, Annals of Internal Medicine very recently on uh, October the uh, 6th of, uh, of this month, 2020? Yeah, uh, first off, thanks for having me and thanks for giving me the opportunity to, to talk with you about, about our work. With respect to your question about what, what prompted us to ask this question, the, the primary driver for our team in developing this study was our own clinical experience in working with patients with back pain and sciatica. And our observation as physical therapists that the, the care we could provide, particularly when we saw individuals early on, could be really effective. But that often we didn't get the opportunity to see those individuals until their symptoms had become much more chronic. 
so that really was what drove us to want to study this question and see if what we were observing really held up in the light of a more rigorous scientific scrutiny. Okay, so, so now let's talk about the clinical trial that you and your colleagues conducted. Uh, you enrolled uh, 220 patients with back pain and sciatica. All were between 18 and 60 years old and had consulted with uh, primary care doctors at the University of Utah Health or at Intermountain Healthcare uh, there in the uh, Salt Lake City area about back pain that had begun in the previous 90 days. On average, uh, participants had been experiencing back pain for 35 days. Uh, what was the thinking that went into setting those particular parameters, Julie? We really gave a lot of thought to where in the course of care for an individual patient do we think physical therapy could have the most benefit? And the reality of most individuals' experience of back pain and sciatica is they may put up with it for a little while, hope it goes away. When it gets to a point that it's really impacting their life or they want to perhaps do something about it, they go see their primary care provider. And, and there's a real critical decision point there about what to do. And beyond just prescribing medication or maybe taking an x-ray, are there more active steps that a primary care provider could offer to a patient that may help accelerate their recovery? And so we wanted to capture patients when they were in that moment in their care journey and then examine how helpful is physical therapy at that particular point in time. Okay. So at the outset, all participants were required to complete a number of rather detailed questionnaires. What did those questions cover and what were they meant to gauge? We covered a host of concepts in those questionnaires and it's really evolved quite a bit in back pain research. We used to really just focus on maybe asking a patient to rate their pain on a scale of zero to 10 and using that as an outcome. And, and while that captures an aspect of what patients deal with when they have a condition like sciatica, it's, it's too narrow. And what we understand now is that back pain has a, an impact on individuals across a number of, of domains. So the questionnaires that we asked and that most back pain research asks now try to tap into the impact of back pain on people's work, on their relationships, on family roles, on their ability to engage in recreational activities, engage in their employment, as I mentioned, as well as their thoughts and their attitudes and their cognitions about pain, how much they worry about it, how much it impacts their ability to sleep and do other things. So we really tried to take what's typically called a biopsychosocial perspective and capture the patient's experience across uh, a host of domains in that model. Well, that's interesting because it really is a, a multifaceted uh, effect that, uh, that, that pain and, and especially like a, a prolonged pain episode can have on people. Yes, absolutely. Anybody who's dealt with pain, even acute pain, knows it's not just a matter of the degree to which it hurts. It's how it impacts your entire life that really prompts most individuals to seek out care. And so the, the answers to those questions uh, would in, in turn give you, a, give you a gauge later to be able to tell the effect that uh, physical therapy had had on, on those behaviors and on those kinds of experiences that people were having. Right. It gives us the opportunity to look much more uh, comprehensively at the experience of patients who had one treatment or the other. So um, study participants were randomly assigned to, to one of two treatment groups. Uh, one group received physical therapy. Um, the other did not. If you would, let's talk first about the non-physical therapy group, uh, who a recent New York Times article on this study described as having received 
quote unquote usual care. Uh, what does usual care mean in terms of the, uh, the education and the advice that people in that particular uh, group were given? Yeah, so what characterizes usual care is, um, first of all, making sure that there's not something more ominous going on. And then what should happen based on um, evidence-based practice guidelines is really reassuring uh, the individual that there's a good prognosis for recovery. There's a lot of fear about hurting your back, about experiencing sciatica. So reassuring a, an individual that recovery is possible and, and is, is typical and that they can be active and continue with their activities is something that's very important for all patients, regardless of whether or not they receive physical therapy. And that inactivity isn't, uh, is, isn't desirable, even though it might seem a little counterintuitive to them. Yeah, it's a, that's an excellent point. It's understandable that for a patient in a lot of pain, the idea that moving around, taking a walk is a good thing is often counterintuitive. A quick break to encourage you to move. Physical activity is associated with a reduced risk of chronic disease, not to mention improved bone health, cognitive function, weight control, and overall quality of life. Simply put, more movement is the gateway to better health. Need some help to get going? Physical therapists are movement experts who use exercise, hands-on care, and patient education to help you meet your goals. You can contact a PT directly for an evaluation. Learn more and find a physical therapist near you at choosept.com. So now let's talk about the group of people who, who did receive physical therapy services. Um, they, I've read that they received a, a quote-unquote active form of physical therapy for a period of four weeks. Uh, what types of uh, exercises and techniques were involved in, in that, uh, that, that active form of physical therapy? Active physical therapy really places a primary emphasis on exercise, and that's what happened in this trial. The type of exercise that we used in this study was really designed to have the patient move their back in certain directions that would tend to centralize or move the symptoms out of the leg and more towards their back. And sometimes these are called McKenzie exercises after the person who sort of popularized this type of treatment. But the key principle is to try to get rid of the person's leg pain through doing repeated movements in certain directions that have that effect on the individual. Mm -hmm. um, and you first uh, assessed the impact of, on, the, on the different treatment groups at, at the four-week mark. Uh, what did you find at that point? And what, what sort of stood out to you? Yeah, so... Four weeks corresponded with the end of the physical therapy treatment period. So that was a logical time to assess what was happening. Our primary outcome is a standardized questionnaire that taps into disability in, in functional activities due to back pain. And the difference between groups on that measure after four weeks was of a, of a magnitude that represents a meaningful difference. It's not a trivial uh, difference between the groups, but, but really enough of an effect that it seemed fairly clear to us that the physical therapy was helping individuals overcome their disability more rapidly at that four-week point. Helping in, helping in what ways? So uh, the, the nature of this particular questionnaire asks people like, how long can you stand? How long uh -huh. can you sit? How much pain medication are you taking? How well are you sleeping? How's your work around the house impacted? So what the difference between the groups told us is that 
the general functional capacity of the individuals who received physical therapy was returning to something closer to normal at a higher rate at that four-week assessment point. And, and, and I've, I've read that you, you were not surprised by the, the, these results. Can you talk about that? No, I think, you know, as a physical therapist, it certainly was consistent with uh, my expectations. Um, obviously, you try to keep your expectations out of a study like this so that you're sure. really testing um, wh- what the results are. But the finding that we had certainly fit my expectations in working with patients with this condition that, that physical therapy has a benefit and particularly a benefit in the area of function because it's what we focus on quite a bit as physical therapists. So, so then results next were assessed at, at the six-month mark and then finally at, at the one-year mark. And, and to be clear, uh, again, what we've been talking about, uh, the people from the different treatment groups uh, more or less were doing identical things during that time. The only real difference was that the people in one treatment group had received four weeks of physical therapy initially, while the ones in the other treatment group had not. So, so again, what did you find at the six months and uh, one-year periods? So we focused again on this measure of of disability, and we saw that the differences between the two groups persisted well beyond physical therapy, as you pointed out, that after that first four weeks of care, we told folks to do what they thought was uh, in the best interest for their their back, um, and we would query them occasionally about how they were doing. And the difference in recovery uh, it, it shrunk a little bit. In other words, the difference between groups was not quite as large, which is what you expect to happen over time. But there was still a difference that was um, notable, that was meaningful clinically, and, and that it was, as, as researchers uh, are interested in, it was beyond what we would expect to see just based on chance. In other words, it was a statistically significant difference. So, so sort of in, in sum, what would, what would you consider to be sort of the, the take-home messages of this study for people with back pain and, and sciatica? Well, I, you know, I think in general that our, our team felt that the results that we found uh, supported the premise that we had going into the project, which was a relatively efficient physical therapy done early can have benefits for individuals who have fairly recent onset sciatica. And recognizing what a lot of people understand, which is Um, It's almost a universal truth that conditions, when dealt with earlier, are often easier to advance and easier to fix than when they're allowed to become chronic and persistent. And had we waited longer to provide physical therapy, I suspect that it would have required more visits and a higher amount of physical therapy to get the same effect. But, but again, this was, this was a study with a, with a limited number of people involved. Uh, I, I had read a news release from University of Utah Health in which you said that a uh, quote-unquote critical next step will be integrating these findings into clinical practice. So can you talk about that process and its possible timeline? Yeah, it really, um, it's, it's an important step with any research study like the one that we've been talking about here in the sense that a research study is not quite the same thing as the real world of clinical care. Mm-hmm. And this is something that all of us as researchers are more and more attentive to, that the step between a, a controlled study and everyday care is challenging um, because people have certain patterns of behavior. The physical therapists may do different kinds of treatment. The primary care doctors behave differently of how they might refer patients. 
patients may not feel like this is what they should do. So the process of implementing this kind of treatment and making it the standard of care is not a simple matter, but it is the next step. And it's an, it needs to be an intentional step. In other words, I think as researchers, we used to just presume once you do a research study that seems fairly conclusive that it would just naturally happen that everyone would start acting on the, the results and it, it, it doesn't work that way. So, <laughs> you've, been, you've been in the research game long enough to know that there's a bit of a lag there. A, a good bit. And yeah, so it takes intentional effort. And that's really our next focus is to think about what are the barriers to making this treatment that we provided in the study the standard of care that's offered to patients routinely. And, you know, there's, there's several ways to approach that in terms of working with primary care providers, working with patients, and also working with our physical therapist colleagues to make something like this happen. Are, are you optimistic that these findings are compelling enough that it will kind of help, help uh, speed or, or kind of facilitate that process? Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm always optimistic. That's why I do this kind of work. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and and I, I think so. I think the findings that we had, we were very intentional about efficiency in terms of the treatment we were providing, the physical therapy we were providing, and and the length of the outcomes that we looked at, because we, we wanted to be able to create a treatment protocol that was realistic, that wouldn't cost too much, that payers would push back against it, or demand so much time from patients that it would be impractical. So I'm optimistic that because we, we designed the study with an eye towards this question, that we'll be able to uh, make some inroads in what the standard of care looks like. Well, that's a great point because obviously payment is, is such a big part of what makes something a mainstream treatment or not. Absolutely, yeah. It's perhaps the biggest part <laughs> right. in, in right. some circumstances. So, Julie, in the meantime, uh, what would you advise people with back pain and sciatica to do to best ensure that they receive the the benefits of this evidence-based treatment option and and reduce the risk of prolonged pain and disability that they might not have to experience? Well, you know, I think the message from this study is, is to be proactive, that engaging with the type of care provided by a physical therapist can be beneficial when done early on. It, it often requires a less intensive and prolonged duration of care when done early on. And that, like a lot of things, when patients become educated about what their options are and, and can discuss that with a provider like a primary care physician, that that can be a very productive way for patients to be actively engaged in their own care and have a, an understanding of the options uh, beyond just medication that can really be beneficial to them. Right. And, and the message here being that there, there is something proactive that you can do. Yeah. And, and you know, patients that I talk to, they want that. They, they're looking for something. What can I do that's going to help me recover from this in the fastest and most complete way possible? And, and to know that there are things out there beyond just waiting is a really positive message for patients. Uh, any final advice for people with sciatica, what they can do to avoid a flare-up or, or perhaps uh, prevent it in the first place? Yeah, prevention is a, is, a, is a tough nut for back pain. It just seems to be an experience that's almost universal for humans. So we'd all love to invent a way to prevent it from happening in the first place. But what we do know is that when these sorts of circumstances arise, the message that we provided to all patients in this study remains a really important concept that even though it may not always seem intuitive to patients, 
remaining active, avoiding bed rest, staying positive, staying optimistic, staying active is really important. And that, that message remains, and our study only reinforces that. I was going to say, I, I know you're not a psychologist or anything, but it seems important. We haven't talked at, at all about the mental aspect, but that, that's also a very important part, isn't it? Yeah, perhaps more important in some circumstances, even early on. And, and you know, we collected a few measures to try to tap into that and saw the differences in an active physical therapy approach early on, that it reduces the, the fear that patients have that they're going to be disabled or that they won't be able to get back to work. It reduces the tendency that patients have to catastrophize or expect the worst. And it's not that physical therapists are per se providing psychological care. Uh, It's, I think, a reflection of the optimism that patients experience when they're proactive, when someone's assisting them, when they're more active. Well, this is all definitely good news for, for people who are experiencing back pain and sciatica. Julie Fritz, thank you so much for joining us on Move Forward Radio and, and providing this information. Thanks so much. Thanks for, um, thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about this. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Or find previous episodes at ChoosePT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at ChoosePT.com.